Welcome to C-Suite Radio. Welcome to the Open Mic Podcast with your host, Brett Allen. Join us each week as Brett interviews extraordinary and amazing people. At the Open Mic, no topic is off limits, and you never know who will drop by. Now, here is your host, Brett Allen. What's up? What's up? Happy Friday to you. Thanks for listening and joining in, choosing to be a part of the Open Mic Podcast. We really do appreciate it. We have a fantastic episode lined up for you today. If you're listening in your car or if you're making breakfast, whatever you're doing, it's good to be here with you today. And I am excited about today's episode. Now, I know on social media I had talked about doing a solo episode and going through this journey, and I still want to do that, but I had this episode in the archives, so it's crazy. Like, we were going to rebrand, and then we didn't, and some things just kind of got put by the wayside, and it was my fault. A uh, party fell on myself, but I have this amazing interview that I, we did a Facebook Live, Mike Flynn, and he is an author, Master the Key, A Story to Free Your Potential, Find Meaning, and Live Life on Purpose. It was a great book. I highly recommend it. It's available on uh, Amazon and available everywhere. And he has a podcast, The Impact Entrepreneur Show. Brace for Impact is his mantra. And it was just a fantastic conversation we recorded last fall. And again, like I said, we, we did the Facebook Live. And for some reason, I thought it had made it to air and it hadn't. And so I apologize, Mike, if you listen. And I, I wanted you to check this episode out. This is a fantastic book. It's written in parabolic form, a parable, but it's a great, great book on so many different things to talk about finding identity and just really embracing who you are, making a change in your life and other people's lives. It's just, I really, really recommend this book and a link for it will be available in our show notes. And so it's kind of like these two things work together a little bit in the sense that I really had to just kind of find out who I was, who my identity was, who I was, you know, just all these different uh, questions, existential thoughts that I had. And it's because of this book, I'm, I'm able to come back and podcast again, really, because I read it just before I did pod sound school and had my podcast audit. And then I was like, I'm ready to come back again. I'm going to embrace who I am as a podcaster, the people I interview. I'm super thankful and super blessed. And uh, this interview is fantastic. I really, really hope you enjoy it. Mike Flynn is amazing. If you don't follow him on social media, you need to. All that information will be available at the end of the interview. But uh, I'm excited to have Mike Flynn on the podcast. Mike, it's good to be here with you today, sir. It is brilliant to be on the Brett Allen Show. (laughs) Thank you. you. We were talking about your hat before. It's a confused hat, you know? Yeah. <laughs> I, I'm a confused person. So I know we were joking before we started recording about my hat and the numerous amount of sports teams that I follow and rebranding. And we're talking about his brand new book and some other things I'm sure will come up in this conversation and can already feel it. Master the Key, a story to free your potential, find meaning and live life on purpose. A lot in that title. I read the book. I love it. And when you were pitched to me, I was like, oh, yeah, I want Mike, of course. He's amazing. And I'm familiar with other work that you've done. And so when I was talking about the book, 
This is also a number one Amazon bestseller. And that's a true statement, right? Like it really is. And there's a lot of people say that they're a bestseller, but this is legitimately a number one bestseller. This is a legitimate number one bestseller. And one of my, in a few different categories and, and one of my big, hairy, audacious goals, I knew I wasn't going to place number one in this category, but I wanted to at least rank in this category and that was the personal transformation category where Oprah Winfrey during my launch was number one and I placed number 29. So I call that a win. <laughs> I'm not Oprah. No, no. Yeah, I'm sure. Well, that's good that you're not Oprah, but uh, th this is a really big thing. This is huge. And this is a great book. And most people, I'm sure you've done hundreds upon hundreds of interviews. So you've shared your story, I'm certain, before. So I don't want to waste your time with that. But I guess the big question I want to ask, and then I have several other questions, because there are certain key things that I want to talk about from your book that right. I think are important, and not just talking points, but just other things that stood out to me. There are a lot of books out there on potential and living your best life that, that to me really that just seems like kind of a thing these days is a lot of people have this idea that they want to share with the world and go, hey, you know, this is a way to, you know, live your best life. This is a way to maximize your potential. But I really feel like this book is the most transparent and sincere about that. Like it's not just, you know, you're not just saying that to just have a catchy title, but it's true. So from your perspective, I want to hear why this book you feel is different than maybe the five others that might be out there that could potentially be considered competition. Yeah, sure. So um, the, there's, there's something definitely in the water. Um, there's a lot of books about meaning potential and purpose and all of these things out there and they're all nonfiction books. So right off the bat, one of the things that sets my book apart is that it is a, it is a parable. It is a fictional story that will lead readers to the truth. Mm -hmm. and, and I really call out um, what it means to, what you what needs to happen in order for the reader the individual who's engaging with the book to to actually free their potential to find that meaning and to live a life on purpose and it is those four pieces of the key mastering our story our gifts our action and our community those four things uh, amount to what what i refer to in the story as the key but what we can talk about on the podcast as our identity, mm -hmm. we have an, we have an identity crisis. People, I would agree with that. people don't know who they are. They don't know how they show up in the world. They don't know what they're going to do when they get there as a result. And, and finally, and most importantly, they don't know who they're going to do it with because they don't know who they are, what their gifts are, what therefore what kind of action they, they should take. And, and so we end up stuck and we end up in this, feeling of inertia. And so I actually started out writing a nonfiction book. Okay. Um, but it just, I'm like, man, it, we, we got, I got to tell this through a story, you know, it, cause I had given some keynotes. I had actually come up with an acronym called peak 
which stands for position engagement action and kinetic which uh which basically talks about how we can all we already all ha- possess each and every single one of us already possesses everything that we need to perform at a peak level in every area of life mm-hmm. and and so I was given that great keynote and it was doing well. I had given it to some big uh, brand name companies. And, and then I saw, I figured, oh, you know, maybe I'll just, I'll take this acronym and I'll put it in, the, in a book format. And it just, I was testing it with people. Mm-hmm. I, was, I was telling them what I was going to do. And it was just, at, at, at the book level, it just wasn't resonating. And so really, I just, you know, Leonardo I was going to say Leonardo DiCaprio, but it's not him. <laughs> Leonardo da Vinci uh, once said that simplicity is the ultimate sophistication. And we mm-hmm. try to make things, we think if we make things really complicated, then it means they're really special and sexy and awesome, right? And so, you know, I had come up with this, this acronym, PEAK, and, it, and it's really great. But really at the end of the day, P stands for position. And what do I mean by position? I really mean knowing your story, controlling the narrative. E stands for engagement. What do I mean by engagement? I really mean your giftedness and how you perceive your giftedness and how you show up in the world. Action is self-explanatory. Kinetic, what do I mean by kinetic? I mean community. I mean that in order for us to grow and to really accomplish anything sustainable that will last for a long time, it requires us to get belly to belly, face to face, with people that are wildly curious about us, that are eager to collaborate, and that will correct us when we veer off path. So I just decided, you know what, let's ditch the, the overcomplicated acronym that I was having to explain to people and get down to the essence, right? Mm-hmm. Get down to the essence because ultimately we're all busy and I want people to invest a short amount of time in the book so that they can compound that investment in their lives personally internally and externally with those around them well i think the idea of a parable is very interesting and for those who might not be super familiar there is a little bit of i guess you could say spiritual or religious connection to that as well that that's the term or how i've heard the term parable explained would you say that's probably an accurate assumption on some level yeah, definitely. I mean, like Jesus in the Bible spoke quite a bit, taught very, taught lessons and parables. Yeah. Other other spiritual leaders have done the same, but it's a way to teach lessons in a in a story form. And and it's all great teachers teach using stories because stories, especially good ones, are are emotionally planted in our hearts and minds and we can draw on them. Mm -hmm. I think to me, that's what separates your book from the rest of the books that are out there, so to speak, because what happens is, is there's just so much inundation of do this, do that. All you got to do is follow this plan, follow that plan. And this is how you can be successful. But I find your story completely relatable because it goes, oh yeah, wait a second, this makes perfect sense. I, I can do this. It's, it's more attainable for someone like myself who's not, oh, you know, 
who has a hard time processing information maybe or like practicality, you know, and I'm kind of going on a stream of consciousness here. I do have a point, but there's just, I've interviewed a lot of different people. I've interviewed a lot of different authors and I don't want to say anything negatively about them, but I feel like the information, they're like, follow these steps and you can do this. Do you understand what I'm saying? And you go, okay, perfect. This is great. But then you look at it and go, well, it's really not that simple. It's not that easy because whether you have to have a lot of capital to get where you want to go or you have to have these kinds of connections and it doesn't really allow you to unlock these key concepts that you're explaining. The the thing about nonfiction books in general is that they oftentimes tell you, right? Yeah. Instead, Instead of draw out from you the truth, right? And so nobody likes to be told what to do. They like to be given kind of a guide map and maybe, uh, you know, you know, they can, you know, riff off of that. But the reality is, is that in my book, I don't tell you anything, right? right. I, I, I lay out a roadmap and, and at the end of each of the four main parts of the book, there are five parts of the book total, there is a journal section, a workbook session, section where the reader gets to reflect on the same questions that the main character, Steve, had to grapple with in his own journey, right? Mm-hmm. You, get to a- you get to ask yourselves those same question. For example, in the story piece, what parts of my story have I struggled to own and why? You, the reader, get to have a conversation with yourself, an honest conversation about your failures, your victories, the adversities that you've encountered, the broken relationships that you, that you have behind you, your hopes and your dreams and, and your sense of worthiness, you know, and you get to really own that, right? Agreed. And, th- and then you get to respond. There's a, after the reflection section, there is a respond section where you get to move forward and call out and create a plan where you get to conclude the direction that you're going to go. Not me, not Mike Flynn, the author, because I don't know what Brett Allen's struggles are. I don't know what Brett Allen's story is, right? Except only you. He doesn't know what sports team to follow. <laughs> that's true. Yes, exactly. that's the only part I do know. <laughs> <laughs> I do like that answer. And so we're on the topic of identity. So I want to expound on this a bit more. So we joke a little bit, but there's probably some truth to that statement on a, on a, on a very deep level. Let's talk about identity. So I want to ask you first, are you familiar with the Landmark Forum or Landmark Organization? Have you heard of it before? I've heard of it. I've never done any of their programs or anything of that nature. It's very similar on some levels. And one of the things that they help you sort of figure out is the struggle with identity. And they they basically say that your identity oftentimes is informed by your past, past relationships, positive or negative interactions. Struggling with identity, I do think, though, is something that is huge. I think all of us deal with it on a certain level. And so maybe that's why we choose to do certain things. Maybe that's why I do a podcast is because I maybe do struggle with identity. And so I do it because it brings affirmation and I get to talk to 
celebrities or big time authors like yourself to sort of validate myself if that thought makes any sense. So the question is, when we find ourselves dealing with struggling or identity crisis or whatever the case might be, in your perspective, what are some ways that we can sort of start to unpack that and really begin to identify these problems and, and, and fix this, if, if that makes any sense, or if it's even possible to do that? Well, I think it's a daily practice. I think we all struggle with identity every day in some way, shape, or form. Um, we all have conversations inside of our heads mm-hmm. most of the time. So about, uh, you know, scientists estimate that we have about 60 to 80,000 thoughts per day and you and I are dudes. So we only vocalize about 7,000 of those versus our female counterparts who vocalize about 20,000 of those. So regardless of, of male or female, you have a, you have a lot of thoughts that remain unspoken, internalized, and most of them are about ourselves. And so the words that we speak to our, ourselves matter. And so I think, I think there's, there's, there's a few, there are a few steps that we can take on a daily basis to, to really get a grip on the identity foreclosure stuff as the, 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 the psychological term is identity foreclosure where we think we're losers basically, or we think we're only winners and we're, you know, we're, (laughs) we can't can't possibly lose, which is the, you know, probably a nicer end of the spectrum to live in, but still (laughs) nevertheless, nevertheless dangerous because if you only think that you can win and then suddenly you lose, um, as Steve did in the book, then, then bad things can happen to you, um, physically and mentally. But, um, so, the first thing is, you know, Simon Sinek talks about starting with why. Mm-hmm. And, but before you can find your why, you need to believe that you are worthy of one to begin with. Mm-hmm. You have to really get a grip of your sense of worthiness, that you are created for something, right? That we, that we all actually, we all share the same purpose, I think that the number one thing about purpose that, that people, the mistake people make about purpose is that they, that they think about it in, in, uh, from a, a self-orientation, right? Mm-hmm. What is my purpose, right? And a better question is, what am I here to facilitate? Because that, what that does is it actually does a 180 and takes the purpose question away from yourself and orients it toward the service of, of others. Mm-hmm. And the purpose, the purpose of anything is to facilitate something. It's to give something. So you and I are, are both created to give something to someone else. Now, the way that we express our purpose, the way that we express our giftedness, the way that we take action with it might vary. It will vary, you know? Because uh, we're different. We have different experiences. But it doesn't mean that the failures that, you, that you've had, the broken relationships that you've had, the health issues that you've had, doesn't mean all of those things can't be used to, to help serve other people. That's, that's a decision. You can, you can choose to use all of the crap that you are encountering and dealing with 
and, and serve other people with it. So for example, let's give an, uh, an easy example. Let's say you are feeling like just really frustrated. You want people to you know, help you get someplace right. And you have a goal. You want to be a number one podcaster. You want to be the best author. You want to be a bestseller. You know, you want all of these things. You desire these things for, for yourself, right? And you're not, they're not happening for you. And so you are a little bit resentful. The fastest way to get over that is to go help someone else do those things, Mm -hmm. right? Because then you're taking control over the, the emotion and you're using it in the service of other people. That is what potential is. Potential is power, right? Potent right? We all want to feel powerful. And the fastest ways, there's the two fastest ways to feel powerful, to, to feel efficacious, to remind ourselves that we are effective are number one, to go help someone else. And number two, to go do something physical where we are exerting our physical domination over something preferably an inanimate object, not another <laughs> being. Yes, uh, this is unless true. You're, unless you're doing like Brazilian jiu-jitsu or something. But for me, <laughs> but for me, it's CrossFit, you know? For me, it's, it's going in there and it's starting at the beginning and building my, my way up from I think I can to I know I can to I can to I did and, rem- and showing myself that I'm effective, that I'm powerful, that I can do hard things, right? And I think that that is one of the, the most important steps that we can take is, is, is make sure that we're using our, our challenges, our adversity, our struggles to serve others. We can redirect that negative energy into the service of others and also to do something incredibly physically challenging so that we can remind ourselves that we are capable, that we're powerful, that we're effective. Wow, that's very deep. We could just end right there, honestly. That's, that's a lot of gold, you know? And I think that the fact, or the first step is definitely just realizing that you're worthy, period. You know, and I think if we can accept that, then I think the rest of that will come naturally without obviously there's hard work involved in that because you have to believe it. And then of course the other things that you mentioned as well. So I think that's super important. Now you also talk about community in the book. That's one of the last pieces that you put into this puzzle. Why do you feel that personally community is so important? Why do you feel that that's something that we need to have just period instead of being a loner or, or whatever the case might be, if, if that makes yeah. any sense. Yeah. So, I mean, community is the ultimate accelerant for, to growth. Mm-hmm. And th- there's, you know, all kinds of different, you know, sayings or proverbs or words of wisdom that, that, um, that go along with that. You know, there's this two African proverbs that come to mind. One is, if you want to go fast, go alone. If you want to go far, go together. And another one is an actual an African word. It's it's Ubuntu, which also is the name of a com- a tech company. But yes, <laughs> they stole it from uh, 
<laughs> from the African people, but it's, it loosely translates to I am because you are, mm-hmm. right? And so it acknowledges the humanity of other people. You can certainly um, play well on your own. You can do a lot of really good things. And it might even, whatever you're doing might even come off, you know, pretty or beautiful or, or efficient or whatever. But if you're part of an ensemble, then the music is going to feel more like a collective sound, right? If, if, you're, if it's a musical uh, symphony, so to speak, that you're, that you're the analogy that I'm drawing from. But, you know, if you, you can't possibly do everything that you want to do by yourself. In fact, I think it was Jim Collins who talks about um, the, the who, asking yourself who instead of how, mm-hmm. right? And, and so we oftentimes get caught up in the questions, how can I do this, right? Agreed. Instead of who can help me do this, right? Who can be part of my tribe? And, and I think that we naturally know that community is the ultimate accelerant for growth. And so because of that, especially in today's day and age, we automatically jump into different communities, different tribes. And then sometimes we feel like disappointed, let down, uh, rejected or whatever by that community. And, and then we isolate ourselves and we're like, well, I'm just going to do things on my own. Well, the reason why you felt isolated, rejected, whatever from that community is because it probably wasn't the community that you were meant to be in. And it's not the community that you were meant to be in because drum roll, you haven't mastered your story. You don't know who you are, right? Because you don't know who you are. You don't know how you're going to show up in the world using your giftedness. You've chained your gifts to the pursuit of status and achievement because that's what the world has told you is valuable. So therefore, if you're, if you don't have status and if you haven't achieved, then you mustn't have any gifts, right? Mm-hmm. And so that, that dictates what kind of action you take or, or, ha- or what kind of risk you take or how boldly you move in life, which then determines who you become part of. And, and at the end of the day, as I mentioned earlier, the, the best communities are people that are wildly curious about Brett's success, Right as much as, if not more than, their own, right? Mm -hmm. They're so eager to see you succeed. And because they're eager to see you succeed, you're like, dude, I want to help Mike succeed, right? And so guess what? This environment of collaboration begins to happen, Mm -hmm. right? And then over time, because you have experience working together and, and being curious about each other and setting goals together, when Brett veers off course, I've earned the right to correct him to say, wow, that's, that's not like you, man. Like what's at stake for you? You know, I get to ask you those questions. I don't get to tell you anything. I get to ask you, I get to remind you of what you already know. Accountability, I think is a good way to describe that. You know, again, going back to those spiritual connections and which that's my background. I was a pastor for a long time. So 
I get the lingo and the language. And, and so that's why I think it resonates with me on a certain level because I, I really get what you're saying. And this is very valuable. I, this is one of the best conversations I've had in a while. And I've had a lot of great ones, not to rank people. So please don't get offended <laughs> if you have been on my show. But I, I just feel like it's fresh and different. I guess that's what I'm trying to say. So we have identity, we have community, which those two things obviously go hand in hand. And then within that, I don't know if it would be considered a subcategory or a third category, talking about gifts and purpose, which we've touched on here and there as we've had this conversation. But I would like to know what your difference or your definition is of these two, how you find them to be different. Yeah, the the difference between gifts and purpose? Yes. Yeah, so I think um, purpose is what am I here to facilitate and gifts are how we express that. Mm -hmm. And so, in other words, in the story, there's a character named Chaz Cho who's a performance violinist and she grows up thinking that her gifts are... Are, are tied to the violin. Mm-hmm. So when she, when she loses the ability to play the violin, she goes through an identity crisis, right? Mm-hmm. She thinks her whole purpose has been, you know, eradicated basically. Mm-hmm. And, and so what she comes to discover and then teaches to Steve is that the violin was merely one way that she could possibly express her gift. So if she, again, once she realized that, if she lost the ability to play the violin, she doesn't lose her giftedness. She can express her gifts in a myriad ways. Now, think about a a souvenir coffee mug, for example, right? Mm -hmm. Right now, this thing has got a lot of pens in it. But ideally, the purpose of this coffee mug that says success is never fatal, failure is never fatal, or success is never final, failure is never fatal, it's courage that counts, which is a Winston Churchill quote. Uh, But the ideal purpose, this cup was not created with the idea that it's going to hold pens in it. Correct. Uh, Yeah, I get that. Right? But... It, you know, ideally, it's giving me the opportunity to transfer something into my mouth, right? Mm-hmm. Being coffee or water. But right now, <laughs> I'm using it to facilitate, a, to express a different purpose. Right. It is still a vessel. It is still giving me the opportunity to not have a cluttered desk where I have pens everywhere. Instead, I'm using it to put pens in it, right? The problem is, is that most of us feel like we're like a souvenir coffee mug with pens in it. We're walking around doing something, but not necessarily the right thing, Mm -hmm. right? Or or what someone told us is the right thing, right? Someone told us that a coffee mug shouldn't have pens in it because the right thing for a coffee mug is to have coffee or tea or water in it. The right thing for Brett is to do X. The right thing for Mike is to do why, right? How many of us have been told that just because we're a souvenir coffee mug, we need to have a beverage in it? Why can't we use it 
to be a vessel to hold pens in it. There's nothing limiting us from doing that except for other people trying to put their, their story, their fears out of hate or love on us. A great analogy since you're a pastor and you, I'm sure you're aware of this is the story of David versus Goliath, right? Mm -hmm. You've got that the biggest thing, one of the most monumental moments of that story, whether you're Christian or not, is used in business circles uh, as well. And Malcolm Gladwell wrote a great book about it. Oh yeah. Uh, but when you, when, when uh, David walks into King Saul's tent and he appeals to King Saul to let him face off with Goliath, Saul says, okay, fine, but you have to wear my armor. He takes, Saul's this big dude. He takes his armor off and puts it on this 16 year old kid, basically. Right. Mm -hmm. David's walking around in this and realizes that he's going to be totally ineffective if yeah. he goes out there and wears Saul's armor. Now, why did Saul put his armor on David? He didn't do it necessarily out of, you know, love and admiration for, maybe he did, but love and admiration for, for David and for his life. But probably he's like, you know what? If I send this 16-year-old kid out there <laughs> Goliath and he doesn't have any armor on and he gets killed, that's going to reflect badly on me. Yeah, right? yeah, I think so. <laughs> and so. And so, but David took his armor off. Not only did he take his armor off, but then he walks out of King Saul's tent. And King Saul's the king, so he probably has a lot more than a slingshot available to him in the tent, right? Yeah. But David walks out there using nothing but his slingshot, which, which is a skill that he's per perfected and, and uh, that he was given, and, and he executes that, and we know how the rest goes, right? Each and every one of us has had an experience in our life where someone else has put their armor on us, right? Yeah, that's a good analogy. Someone has given us something that they think we should do, the right thing. If you're going to go out to battle, the right thing to do is to wear this armor. You don't have any, so wear mine, right? Wow. And, and you know, the, even people that love us, right? Even people that are afraid... They, they, you know, they don't want us to fail. They don't want us to struggle. They don't want us to suffer. They don't want us to feel pain. They empathize with us. They're scared for us because doing, taking risk involves, you know, potentially financial loss, embarrassment, you know, all of that stuff. And, and so people end up projecting onto us. Well, a great personal example of that is when I was growing up, I, I was going to be an actor. Um, I, that was my, my dream. I had done some professional theater. Uh, I was getting feedback from people that I should pursue this. And, um, and I was in the process of going to get an agent when somebody that I love and respected and admired my dad came to me and said, you know, Mike, that's going to be a really hard road. You, the odds of you succeeding are so slim and, you know, I really, it's going to be hard. You're going to suffer. 
I, I think, and you're going to struggle. I think you should go get a business degree. Wow. Right. And I love my dad. You know, I, I, you know, we don't, we have, we don't always get along still don't today. I'm still blessed to have him around, but I love him. You know, um, he's one of the most generous people that I know and he loves his kids and one of six, but I made a decision. I pivoted. I went left and I went to school. I got a degree in business and worked in a PR firm. And now my day job is, is as a financial advisor. And that's so that's funny. The main character, Steve is also a financial advisor in the book, but, um, but, and the book has nothing really to do with money, by the way, uh, it has to do with life, (laughs) but, um, yeah, let's be clear about that. (laughs) the, The, but that doesn't mean that I can't now take all of those things. Cause those are choices that I ultimately made. My dad didn't make me go to school. I just, I chose, I responded or reacted to what, to what the armor that he put on me. And I chose to go to school and I chose to do all of these things. And for a long time, I resented those things that I resent. Mm-hmm. Right. But that's my decision. That's my choice. Nobody's asking me to resent anything. Nobody's forcing me to resent anything. But instead, I can, through the power of reflection, I can bend back time and I can go back and insert light there and insert hope there and then come forward and bring that light and that hope out in the service of others. And that's what the book is all about. That's what I'm doing today. This is a fantastic book. And it will be available in our show notes as well. And we will make this available. I, one of the great blessings of this job is I get advanced readers of things. And, and so I love this book. And it's one that I think I will read multiple times because it's just, it's the best book ever. It's great. It's really, really good. Now, another subject that I think is important to talk about is healing and the idea of, of repair and just kind of making things whole. And you're very clear and transparent about that, and you talk about that a lot. So, obviously, you had that thought in mind when you were writing the book. You wanted to not just give people this, you know, these four keys and go, here you go, figure it out. But that's, I think another thing, honestly, that makes the book different is that you sort of give people an actionable plan, so to speak, on how to fix things. So I want to ask, what are you hoping when, when people read this book, when they, when they get it, like, I mean, what are you hoping that they can do for themselves as far as like healing is concerned? Like, what is your hope? Yeah. So I think that as people engage in the book, they will, they will have healing. Um, this book is not, you know, as some, one of the, there's, there's about 60 reviews on Amazon on the book right now. We launched in basically in May. Um, and this is not a, a self-help tome as one of the, no. um, as one of the, the, um, reviews said, this is a book where you get to engage in, in your own personal journey alongside Steve's, the, the characters are 
relatable because each and every single one of them is based on a real person or persons mm-hmm. and, and stories that, that I've encountered along the way, actual real journeys. And so as you read the book and as you engage with the, the workbook section in particular, you will experience questions that will draw out things from you that will provide healing for you that that will cause you to elevate challenges that you've had in your life and recognize them for truly what they are you sell you one of the things you do is broker wine right the process of wine like imagine that for a second right like ideally when someone is buying a bottle of wine right or bottles they are using that oftentimes for some sort of a celebratory event, right? Yes, correct. Or maybe, or maybe to just unwind after a long day or to connect with somebody. Mm-hmm. But the vast majority of people are using it for some sort of celebratory happy occasion, right? Correct. There's nothing happy about, about the process of making wine according no. to the grape. I mean, if Not you at look all. at it from the from soup to nuts, I mean, you've got first of all you've got this vine, right, that is planted in rocky soil, you know, that's that it's exposed to all of the elements. The vine itself is knotted and ugly and it's stretched. Wines have been exposed to sun, to wind, to rain, to fog, to cold, to wars wine's been stolen and cellared wine has been bought and sold the grapes are are plucked from the vines then thrown into a press and crushed then the juice is shoved into a bottle for a a, first a barrel for a period of time and just sitting there idle fermenting right Mm -hmm. it goes through another shock where it's eventually put into a bottle and, and cellared for who knows how long. And it takes somebody else going back to the community to uncork that thing and pour it into a glass where we toast each other, toast yeah. marriage, toast someone's success, toast someone's retirement, whatever it might be. You know, we use that adversity, the fruit of that adversity to honor and celebrate each other. We should do that with the adversity that we actually experience in our lives, the financial adversity, the physical adversity, the mental, emotional, and spiritual adversity. Wow. Well, if the book wasn't enough, <laughs> you have a podcast, which I think we need to talk about. And you, I'm, I'm noticing the equipment that you have. We have the same mic. This is kind of a niche thing for podcasters. So, Yes. You know what you're doing, <laughs> which makes my job much easier as far as recording this thing. So the Impact Entrepreneur Show, this is huge. You've had some unbelievable guests. You've had John Foley. You've had Tiffany Bloom, which I'm a little bit jealous because I've tried getting her. She's very hard to get, but uh, great episode. Let's talk about the podcast. Is this an extension of everything else that you're doing yeah. Is this something a little bit different or does it just kind well, of all actually, go together? It, it kind of, everything kind of bleeds into each other. I mean, the podcast 
um, came before the book, right? Um, and uh, the, the idea behind the Impact Entrepreneur Show is that we all, we all have these impact moments throughout our life. And it's up to us to respond to them and to choose how we are going to use them to have a game-changing impact in the lives of others. Mm-hmm. And so that is, being that I'm an entrepreneur and that I have all of these, imp- you know, my own personal impact moments, I've wanted to learn how these other people have used the various impact moments of their life to have a game-changing impact in the lives of others and, and build businesses or careers or or platforms around them. And so like John Foley, who is the former lead solo pilot for the Blue Angels, right? He, um, he's got a fascinating story, obviously, you know, it, it, like you're like 0.01% of anybody in the Navy gets to be a uh, lead solo pilot for the Blue Angels, right? right. You got to be the best of the best to, to get there. And so the process of doing that, but he's not, he's not um, inoculated from challenges and setbacks and adversity. You know, he shares at the end of that episode, he's now retired of the, uh, from the military. He's planning on taking his company or his experience. And he formulated a company called Centerpoint Entertainment, mm-hmm. basically, basically going to be the NASCAR for uh, high speed air racing. Right, they were preceded. They preceded Red Bull. They were in the process of closing a deal with e, an exclusive deal with ESPN, and all of us. And he had put all of his life savings in this thing, and all of a sudden, nine eleven happens. Right, and nobody is doing anything with entertainment or let alone airplanes. No, so not at all. So all of a sudden, everything that he's invested is gone and he's facing, you know, financial failure. He goes from the peak, literally the heights of being a peak performer down to like, Oh my gosh, I don't know what I'm going to do. Right. And it was, it was a moment where he had to really stare directly into the sun and face his fears. And, and so that's the flow of every single conversation that I have with these people starts with, where they came from, their story, who their childhood heroes were, you know, then their expertise and then the, the lies that they've had to face in their own lives. And I've had everybody, like you've mentioned, from John Foley, Tiffany Bloom, Lou Holtz. Jocko uh, Wolnick. I mean, you've had some yeah, huge names. Yeah. And this is how I became familiar with you. When I first started getting into podcasting, long before I wanted to do a show, I was kind of tinkering with the idea of being an entrepreneur, and I, I think your show was one of the first that came into my radar. So when, when they asked me if I wanted to have you on my show, that was a no brainer. I was like, yeah. Oh, he's written a book. Heck yeah. Let's get this. Let's get him on here. Yeah. I mean, you've had some amazing people and I think the arc of your show is, is just so significant because it's not just interviews per se, but you're really trying to get actionable content out of these people who, who want to come on to your show and share their stories. Would you say that that's a pretty fair point? Yeah. I mean, I, I want people to share their stories and I want people to be the, ideally at the end of the day, people that listen to my show, I want them to be reminded that they can do hard things that they, and it's not, I don't, I have a lot of people 
a whole variety of people that you would never know, you know, yeah. on my show, you know, I mean, you know, I, I, a few entrepreneurs from Santa Cruz here where I'm from, you know, that aren't on the celebrity speaking circuit, you know, they haven't written a New York times bestseller. They're in the, they're in the trenches, you know, and hearing their story, you know, and, um, and so that's what it's about. And, and reminding everybody that we are worthy, that we can do hard things, that it's up to us to respond to the impact moments of our lives and decide how we are going to use them to serve others. I love it. And you're in Santa Cruz, so you're not too horribly far from me. Yeah. I'm, I'm in Monterey all the time. So oh, cool. one of these days we'll have to do another interview and we'll do it live, uh, maybe on the beach. <laughs> That'd be awesome. Yeah. Yeah. So my son's mom and they live down in Monterey. I'm actually headed down there this weekend for my son. Oh, cool. Side, side note, but we go to Santa Happy Cruz. Happy birthday to your son. Yeah. He's turning five today. So cool. I digress. In any case, you've got the book, you've got the podcast. What is next for you? Like, what is a dream that you want to accomplish next? Like, what, what, what would you like to see happen in your life? Oh, man, I have so many dreams. Sometimes it's hard for me to pick one, you know? But I mean, like, no, I, I am, I really believe in the transformational message of Master the Key. Um, I believe that this, the message of the book is needs to be disseminated at a at organizational level at companies across around the world um, so that they can really transform their organizations person by person. And uh, so I, you know, that's one of my goals is to take this message and to, and to deliver it on stages to, uh, to corporations. And I've given, a couple of keynotes um, to to some Fortune 100 companies, and and we'll be giving a, a keynote uh, in October down in Southern California. Um, I I also am going to be doing my own live event at some point in the uh, in the near future. Um, I may be rebranding the podcast since we talked about rebranding yeah. earlier. Yeah, I get it. So. But, um, you know, I've been the impact entrepreneur for three years and ultimately my desire is to help people claim their purpose. And so I actually registered the trademark to the phrase claim your purpose. And so one of the things I'm kicking around, that's definitely going to be the, um, the name of my live events. Uh, but I'm, I'm kicking around, uh, potentially renaming, the the podcast to the claim your purpose podcast with mike flynn uh, and uh and orienting a lot of the things that i do around that platform i published um my book under the claim your purpose media uh imprint which is a publishing company that i created so there's you know there's all kinds of things that i'm doing uh and right now i am asking myself the the who question you know, who can I do this with? Who can, who shares the same values and, and dreams and goals that I do? Um, and who can I do this with? Who's going to be in the boat with me? In addition to my wife, uh, who is totally all in with what I'm doing. Um, and, uh, you know, I, I'm constantly standing on the precipice of my comfort zone. And, uh, 
and I, and it's uncomfortable to be there, but, but the moments <laughs> where I, where I, where I start falling back into my comfort zone it, are where I, I just start feeling stuck and I need to, I know I need to take action and, and get off the iceberg as, uh, as Fidel teaches Steve in the book. And that's, yeah, that's a very good point. And I think that's part of why I decided that I needed to just change things up altogether because I just didn't, you can see this big, lo- clever logo. And I, I just didn't feel like that was really true to what I was trying to do. And so that's part of why I made a change. So I get it and understand it. it, it makes I love sense. it. I, I actually love the new, uh, the Brett Allen show and the new logo. I love it. Thank you. That means a lot coming from you. And that I feel like really encapsulates my identity and what I'm trying to do here and in really trying to create content that's valuable. I'm going to have so many different kinds of people, but really to try and just pull something specific out of them, even though they might be promoting a film or whatever, you know, with this, it's easy because the book is actionable. You know what I'm saying? Like there's Mm -hmm. things that are important and that can be drawn out of and, and can apply to our lives specifically. But if someone's promoting a movie, it's more like, okay, well, why did you want to be an actor? How did you know you wanted to be an actor? You know, like what are your processes and those types of things? And I feel like that fits me more personally than just let's talk about your new movie or your TV show, which I love, but I try and pull those kind of positive gotcha questions (laughs) versus like a scandal that they might be tied up in, which I've had to deal with, which I didn't think I ever would. But that was interesting on its own. That's I can't really talk about it, but I kind of have. <laughs> but it was interesting. Um, but in any case, how can people learn more about you? You have the podcast, you have the book of people. And this will all be in our show notes, obviously. But if people want to reach out to you, what's the best way to do that, Mike? Yeah, sure. So I am on social media, on Instagram and Twitter at The Impact Mike is my handle. Um, and, you know, Amazon is where the book is. You can get it. You could type in master the key, Mike Flynn, and it will come right up and you'll see the beautiful teal blue cover with a big gigantic gold key on it. Um, and, uh, and if people have questions, they want to share their story, they can email me directly at info at the impact entrepreneur.net. I'm happy to chat. And you have really cool merchandise too those hats are amazing <laughs> oh thank you man yeah i know i i'm running out of those actually i need to get some more but the brace for impact hats yeah i don't i, I left mine down in my car i love the flat broom hats yeah they're awesome well thank you so much for being here mike i really do appreciate it it's been fun chatting with you and uh definitely would love to have you back on again maybe next time we could meet in person since you're super close and we can talk about what's next thanks again i appreciate it my friend thank you brother Thanks for choosing to join in to this week's episode. Be sure to follow the show on social media, Brett's Open Mic, on all platforms, and to subscribe to the show on your player of choice, which is absolutely free. Finally, please consider sharing this episode with a friend. Every little bit helps. Until next time, cheers. Cheers.